Guys, episode number 182 of the Jersey Wall podcast is dedicated to the loving memory of Christian Atsu. Yeah, everybody at the Jersey Wall wishes um, all the love, thoughts, and prayers to everybody affected, and especially his family and, and kids. May his soul rest in peace. Happy Family Day, everybody, from the Jersey Wall Podcast. Today's episode 182 is ranking midseason title races in Europe's top five leagues because we're at that place in the season. But before we get into all that, my name is Nathan Santos, a.k.a. Master Chef Nay, and as always, I'll be your host. Joined today, the most iconic duo in world football. I would say maybe second to Kvaradana and Osuman, but we'll get to them later in the no, show. No, they don't have anything on us. I'll come back. No, nah, bro, we've been doing it way longer. <laughs> Yeah, it's always good to be back. It's been a while since it's just been the two of us, right? We missed yeah. Joe today, but it's, it, you know, Dude, it's you weird, said but just it's the nice. two of us, and now my mind's going to music, bro. Just I see song. those crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it <laughs> all, bro. What a song. What a duo. We're back. Joey, we love you. Joey's enjoying his family day. We give him the day off. You and I, bro, we don't miss a beat. Every week, hell or high water, Jersey Wall is here oh, to yeah. bring you this content. So happy family day, everybody. Now. Mina, I'm a little upset you haven't already complimented my jersey because the people won't know what I'm I knew wearing. you were going to bring this up. I have to it's bring a, it up, bro, because you know what? It's I usually a pretty wear a black saucy jersey, bro. Yeah, it's a yeah. pretty saucy jersey. It's just I, my only issue with that jersey is the, is the sponsor logo is really big. Like, I, I don't like it when Volkswagen, Volkswagen? sponsors kits <laughs> like with Volkswagen right. because it's a huge circle in the middle. It's true. It is massive. It does take away from it a little bit. It takes you know so what? much space. There's so much the, real estate that could be it's not true. Taken, and but. Here's what I'm going to say to everybody who's listening to this. You guys have to go check out the TJW podcast, Instagram page, or the MasterChef Net YouTube channel, or the new Jersey Wall account, which is launched. We're going to get to that in a second at the Jersey Wall to see the jersey that I'm wearing. Because I made a, made a video bashing Toronto FC's kits. And I wore this one specifically almost to rub in the face of how terrible those jerseys are. That Canada can produce some really nice jerseys, but the pattern of this one, bro, like Pacific, just to give, just to start with some CPL today, not that anybody cares, but for those Canadian Premier League fans that we have who are listeners, yeah, we'll Pacific them. is located on Vancouver Island. Yeah, let's talk to all of <laughs> one of them. That guy, that one dude, not named Nate Sanders, who listens to this, who likes the <laughs> CPL. Let me tell you, bro. This kit, Pacific FC's kit, and those of you who are just listening, and you know which kit I'm talking about, I hope you do, because these are absolutely stunning. It's located on Vancouver Island. And they're, they're very close. Nice. They're close with their indigenous community, and this was designed by, and the proceeds of which go towards that community. And dude, it's a freaking nasty pattern. And so I like it, and I had to wear it specifically in the wake of how ugly these Toronto FC jerseys are. And fans of the jerseys, well, for a long time, will know. Like, we don't often even talk about MLS or Canadian soccer. We incorporate that. Every once we try in a to while, bring it yeah. in. And in 2023, we've, we've said that we're going to try to bring it in more, but certainly not to start the show, especially when we're going to talk about Europe's top five leagues here. But there's a lot of stuff going on right now, dude. And the fact is, sometimes a jersey is so nice, just like we did with the Vasco de Gama kids. You have to talk about it. it These are so bad. Else. You have to talk about it. Th I'm this actually, one is stunning. I'm, I don't share the terrible. same pessimism that you share for the for that jersey, and I don't like it. It's just because you're not a Toronto FC fan. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't like. I don't like it, and I don't hate it. It's just it looks like a pajama that it, it, you can play football in, and it's not the worst design I've ever seen in my life. 
and it's not the best design I've ever seen in my life. So it's not horizontal I stripes. Strong feelings towards it. What's the first syllable of horizontal stripes? It's not a classy word, that. and that's how I feel about I can't this. Say that. <laughs> that word, the first part of that word, is how I feel about this, and I'm just like ugh bro because they're terrible <laughs> horizontal stripes never look good and then you're gonna put them in with their just dark gray like what's this man no one's gonna care about this as much it as me except like for the, the other Trotto to this. gray um horizontal stripe kit do you remember that one vaguely Inter- Inter- even Inter- at that, had a kit like that that was horizontal stripes and i do black know and what gray. you're talking about yeah yeah you know what, that bro? One was, I think that it's one was long worse, overdue. but because it was black and gray. This one is just black and red and gray, so that's why it kind of looks a little bit better. But it doesn't know, look good. I don't it have, looks I don't terrible. Share Toronto FC, feelings, many TFC fans will be long sufferers of watching how terrible TFC look on the pitch, and that had nothing to do with their jerseys. They looked bad on the pitch because their performances were terrible, and now we're gonna look bad. Like we brought in the big bucks, Salt the Italians. We brought them in, and we're going to dress them. Do you know the fashion in Italy, bro? <laughs> the jerseys, the drip these dudes are used to playing in? Like, come on, man. Now these guys got to put these on. Anyway, we're probably overdue for talking about jerseys on a podcast called The Jersey Wall. But that's definitely not the point of today's episode. One more bit of housekeeping before we move into today's episode, guys. And it's because TJW Bites is back. And I hope everybody just got goosebumps when I said that, because Lord knows I did. The TJW Bites, after a long-suffering battle with TikTok, after being banned initially for reasons that were completely untrue. I just lost to TikTok because they were just like, F you, bro. I think they <laughs> thought that I was cheating because there's no way that it could grow at the rate that we were growing. And I will, I'll maintain that. And anybody who wants to hear more, reach out to me. I'll, I'll explain the whole situation to you. But my TikTok account was banned for reasons that were not harmful by nature to anybody. And that's important to, to mention because normally you think, well, you're banned. What have you been doing? Nothing. They just thought that I was cheating. So I had to launch the part two. And so TJW Bites are back. The Jersey Wall, at the Jersey Wall, is where you can find us on TikTok now. And by the way, over the last seven days since I launched this, the intro to the launch was my Jersey Wall poem for last week, previewing right. the Champions League. We done like more than 80,000 across all platforms. And I'm talking on, on, on Reels, bro, on Instagram. Ooh. Like TJ, the TJW podcast page was the home for my edits and nothing more. Yeah. And now it's getting... Now it's got I've some real 36,000 accounts, bro. 36. It's give you the analytics. 36,000 accounts have interacted with that page. The followers are shooting up. We're getting more subs on the YouTube page as well. So TJW nice. is going to be cooking across all platforms and the TJW bites now cross platform hashtag ridiculous, Amazing. bro. This is, this is transmedia. I've seen finest. some of the posts have hit like 12,000 views or things like that. And then you get another one that's like 59. I'm like, what, what happened? Hey, we don't <laughs> talk about that. The inconsistencies are part of the game. It's vi- the the analytics are for me to break down and me alone. But uh, yeah, they're not all winners. I just presenting to. Why oh, you can expose me like that, bro? I'm just presenting the wins here to the show. You're gonna ground me. You're gonna keep me humble like that, huh? Anyway, I appreciate you calling me out on that because it's important to recognize there are not all wins. Some it's ups and downs, but it's all going in the direction that we wanted to. Anybody, anyway. Guys, welcome to episode number 182 of the Jersey Wall podcast. Today, we're going to rank the midseason title races in Europe's top five leagues. And you know, I'm very hesitant with the R word here, right? Yeah. Our R word that we avoid is rankings because we ne- we don't we put lists in orders, but I couldn't call this episode putting a list in order of the midseason title of races table, of Europe's top which five is leagues. Already a just, list. It, right. It just didn't work. So the way that we've approached this is lo- largely we're halfway through the season, right? We're in February. 
which means the back end of the campaign is about to kick in. We've seen some wonderful starts from some. We've seen some wonderful turnarounds from others. Ultimately, there are plenty of leagues dripping with narrative, and I think we've got to talk about it. All right? Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do it. In fifth place, coming in last of Europe's top five leagues, I don't think will be much of a surprise to very many, and it's PSG. It's it's Ligar. And and I <laughs> put PSG. Is just PSG. It's it is PSG because PSG are leading their their league by some it's actually only it's by like five, five points. points. That's the but same it feels distance. more substantial. Wait, don't even say any other leagues, bro. It yeah. just feels more substantial because there's something of an inevitability about PSG squad where I'm not even me, and I love I just made a TikTok yesterday, a video yesterday, outlining how remarkable of a game PSG and Lille played over the weekend. And I don't think these sides are capable yeah, of playing a really bad game. game. Every time they meet, it's fireworks. And I'm astonished by that. And it took a 95th minute free kick from Messi off the post and in to put PSG ahead. And you know what? If Lille ties that game or if Lille won that game, because at one point they were winning, this this whole table might be different. Our whole ranking system might be different here. But ultimately, I think that game proved to us that even with PSG in bad form and they lost to, to, to uh, Monaco the game before that, even when sometimes the games are thrilling, this league usually ends with, with PSG winning it, which is why when I said we're going to rank the leagues, I said let's start with PSG because PSG is going to win this league and I'm not that convinced that anything else could happen even if every once in a while we'll get a barn burner of a game that'll make PSG look somewhat competitive. Well, the, the team that's right on their heels has to play them next, I'm pretty sure. You know, the, we're getting a one and two for the next fixture, and that's Marseille. So mm. PSG Marseille is always a really big game. And that's where the flares come and, and everything. So it's it's gonna be huge. And that's a that's a top six pointer, right? Like if, if Marseille can beat PSG, all of a sudden you're looking at a two point gap and yeah. and you you know, Renato Sanchez is injured, Marquinhos is injured, Neymar just got injured, Ashraf Hakimi is injured. You know, so yeah, you're you're relying on I don't know Neymar, uh, Messi, and Mbappe to to do everything else, but you know, it can I still think happen. You're relying on a rock, lot more than the that. Boat. I think that's the whole thing with PSG is that it's largely the Mbappe and Neymar and Messi kind of front three who's spearheading the project, and I get that, but yeah, I don't think anything has changed with PSG in the way that they can win games more comfortably and in more ways than every other team in the league. And even if, bro, and you, I'm the advocate of the leagues like this, right? Like, especially on this podcast, believe me, I would love to make an argument for a competitive title race here. It just doesn't feel close. Even if mm -hmm. Marseille beat them, I would still be like, yeah, well, PSG is still in first and PSG is still going to win this league. Like, it doesn't actually feel like anybody else is going to contest PSG yeah. for the inevitable certainty that will be PSG win this league. Whereas in the rest of Europe's top leagues, There's you not could probably make a case for... There's a little bit more excitement going on. Like I don't know if Marseille have the pedigree to to catch to close that gap, right, and to put the pressure onto PSG in the same way. Whereas if PSG were in second right now, and Marseille were leading, I might be like, "Yo, hold on a second here." Like, do Marseille have what it takes to to extend this gap close where they out? have these sharks chasing them? Yeah, I don't I, know. If I, that just, would I don't think PSG is going to get overturned. It's just not as convincing as previous seasons. Before you know, it's not as you know a shutout. People think yeah. oh, PSG is going to win it, and it's a certainty, and it almost is a certainty, but it's not by 10, 20 points. They're yeah. only five points ahead, and they have to play them next. So this gap can be either you know two points or eight points, and that so completely changes this. the the, the right. outline of the, the season. 
the narrative completely changes. You're right, absolutely. If it's an extended lead for PSG after one more game, we're, what are we talking about here, right? That right. everything I'm saying is true. Whereas if they lose, everything you're saying is true, right? So and to be honest, I wish Joe was here for that because Joe loves some, some Marseille and I would love for him to just wrap up uh, Marseille. But I'll ask you this about PSG. In 24 games played this season, which is more than the halfway point because their league um, is actually changing this season. Right, they're they're actually going to relegate four teams, and oh. going forward, this is going to be an 18-team league, like the Bundesliga. Mm. Not going to be a 20-team league, which I think is interesting. If we're going to talk about the at the bottom end of the table, Why I think they... just for parity, I think just it'll be like the Bundesliga is doing it. The Bundesliga is awesome, to be completely honest with you. Right. And so I think that they're trying to emulate that. It might be just financially they have to structure out some of the games that they're owed because they mm. don't have the TV revenue to compensate for those teams. I think there's tons of reasons. Yeah, because no one's Not that watching, that you know, applies here. Toulouse versus like Brest. No one's Yeah, exactly. That. It's true. It, it's it's not uh, must-see TV, right? I don't even think that's televised in France. Even the French were like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm just looking at the table here. The team at 19th. I don't, I, I don't even know how to say it. That's not a French name. AC no, it's not a French name. Ajaccio? That's probably located on, the, on like border with Italy. No, that's probably on the border with Spain, like in the Catalonian region of over there. Because that to me says Ajaccio, right? where it's just very, it sounds Spanish almost. Sure. Not entirely the, the point where I was going with this, but I wanted to ask you, now that we are 24 games in and we have, you know, still, this is still currently a 38, you know, team, uh, a 38 week season. Have PSG been underwhelming this season domestically? Because yeah. there's top of the league, right? They're top of the league right now. And, and we're not talking about Champions League here. We're just talking about domestically. Can a team that's in first be underwhelming? They can when it's PSG and it's Liga. That's the mm. caveat. It, they, it has mm. to be that, or even Bayern. And we'll get to the Bundesliga later. But. Yeah. We we all know that the Bundesliga is, is way more competitive than Liga, despite the fact that the Liga has has changed over champions more times in the past ten years than than Bundesliga yeah. has. Like we know Bayern runs away with it, but the league is more competitive. Whereas Lille and Monaco have won the league in the past ten years, so I get that argument behind it. It's just whenever PSG lose out on the title it's always because they've been underwhelmed. And this season, we all thought, you know, Christophe Cartier is going to make them a way more solid team. Granted, they've only conceded 23 goals, but they played 24 games. You know, that's that's yeah. a lot of goals to, con- to be conceding, especially when you're PSG and you've got now a solid midfield. N- solid nothing can everything. say anything against your defense. Solid you should be keeping, though. you know, clean sheets left, right, and center, or just minimizing the amount that you can see. So it's not, they haven't been as convincing as controlling in the league you're seeing a lot of you know last minute winners or you're seeing a lot of times where they've been rocked or they lose to monaco away from home right before their champions league match so yeah i don't i don't think we can say that psg is is you know have just been bossing this league i do think that they're a little bit underwhelming how much so not that much because at the end of the day you still have to give the team that's top of the league credit i actually think they've been dangerously underwhelming because I haven't seen very many convincing PSG performances and I put all of the pressure in the world on them over the last two seasons. All right. Now, to be fair, last year I was wrong about it. I shouldn't have because I overlooked the disconnect in the team. But after this summer, I felt very, very good about when you get four 
like of the best possible transitional midfielders in the world to connect your entire team from front to back, from top to bottom, there's no reason why you should be in the competitive race. I thought that they, at this point, if they lost, and I do say if they lost, it would have been once. I think they should have conceded no more than 10 goals by this point in the season. And I think like goal-wise, they're fine. They're scoring lots, right? But even by their standards, I would think that they, out of 24 wins, I would expect for them, or 24 games played, I would think they'd be somewhere close to the 21 wins range, which I get is absurd. Like that's that's insurmountable right. pressure that I'm putting on them. You can't build a super team the way they did and be at risk of being two points in first if you lose to Marseille. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't even having conversations. What if they lose? Are they going to have a competitive match with Marseille? There is no scenario where anybody in this league should be having competitive games with PSG. And I think that pressure is getting to them a little bit. I think you the think fact so? that Mbappe. I think so. I think the fact that Messi's on side quest at this point, that yeah, the true. the chemistry of their team has been altered by the fact that at one point they were heavily leaning into the three four one two, wherein they had just the most phenomenal bombing fullback combination in world football to then transition it to a 4-3-1-2 where you're overloading midfield has almost nullified some of their uh, their fullback capabilities. And that's predominantly the pace of their team. I get Mbappe, like, fine, he's the fastest of them all. But he's, even him, bro, he's been really good. But he's not leading, running away with the, the golden boot here either. Jonathan David, bro, freaking Balogun. Florian Balogun, bro. Like, these are players who are in the, who are in, a golden boot race with Kylian Mbappe in, in Ligue 1, I think this team has been dangerously underwhelming. And that may sound like a hot take considering they're in first. And if you think that's a hot take because they're in first, I would love to talk about this further. Come at me. Let's chat about it. I think that the expectation for this PSG side, as set by themselves, has to be not just winning the league, sending a message, dominating the league every year. Ultimately, if they win the league anyway, people won't care. It won't like, yeah, yeah, of course, PSG yeah. won the league. But I think for their own sanity, their objective should not be to win the league. It should be to 20-point the league. It should be do what City have been able to do in the Premier League, and that's the pinnacle of, of the sport, right? Yeah, especially with so, the lack of competition that they, that they would be facing right, right there, right? Because I think right now, you know, we've spoken about this sometimes. We talked about, do they have to turn it on in the Champions League, and then they can kind of coast in the league? And I said, I attacked that. I said, no. PSG need to develop a mentality of always being merciless and ruthless, whoever they face at all times and treat every single game like it's the most competitive game of their life so that in the Champions League, they can get out of second gear. They can hit people full on no matter how good they are and destroy them because they're used to doing that week in, week out. I think now what we're seeing is at times they're far too good for their opposition. Therefore, they get lethargic and then they don't develop that killer mentality because they're just so good they don't need to. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think my expectations on them are a little bit more tempered than than yours. It's just the proof is in the pudding. The fact that we're having a conversation about how convincing PSG have been means that they haven't been as convincing as they should be. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Completely fair. Um, I have them in fifth. Let me know if you if you think I should put a different league in fifth here. Because going into number four, I'm going to put the La Liga title race. Ooh. yeah i mean that's that's not really a surprise one team is kind of running away with it <laughs> well this is just it i feel like everything we just said about psg it doesn't entirely apply to barcelona who currently have 59 points it's just that they are the best team in spain right now but real madrid since i think since the world cup yeah. basically like whatever the midway point of this if we were to divide 
their campaign, which is the halfway point, into two. The first half of that, they were cooking. The second half of it, they really haven't they're been. Simmering. Injuries have played a factor. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're simmering, exactly. Injuries have definitely played a factor, right? Benzema not being fit always. Cruz not being fit always. Chouameni not being fit always has, you know, has often played a role. Even David Alaba is not at his best. Courtois has been injured. There are reasons to justify this. But I feel like if we're going to bet on a title race here, Real Madrid show consistently that they have the pedigree to overcome gaps, to overcome obstacles. Barcelona, however, for as unconvincing as they look in Europe, which is extremely, by the way, locally, they've only conceded seven times. They have 17 clean sheets. To me, that's insane. It's They've remarkable. conceded 10 less goals than Real Madrid have at this point in the season. You're talking about 22 games, Ridiculous. and they've only conceded seven goals domestically, scoring 45. That's that's insane. Yeah, it, it, it's exactly it. They've, they've played 22 games. They've only lost once, which I think was the Classico, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, right? And to be honest, domestically, I, I'm not an, I, and I'd love to have this conversation with you. Why do you think they're a different team domestically as they are in Europe? Is it nerves? Is it quality of opposition? Style. Is it just, yeah, what is it? Is it tempo? Like, there's there's definitely things to consider here. Barcelona do not have this conviction in Europe, in the slightest, by the way, because they were cooked by Barca, and they finished, they finished behind Inter in their group as well, by their own doing, because they lacked conviction, by the way, because Inter yeah. were not magnificent by any stretch, right? Even then against United, what happened in the game against United? They got rocked big time. They got opened. At home for them, yeah. right? So you want to talk about, you know, competitive advantage. Like it's one thing to go to England and have to play a game at Old Trafford. We get that. But domestically, you're playing here at the at, at your home stadium. And I just think they've been lackluster. I haven't watched a game of Barcelona's in Europe this season where I've been thoroughly convinced. Whereas when I watch them in, in La Liga, I'm almost... A totally different story. I'm almost lulled watching them play because it's like, yeah, they're going to win. Like they win. And then, and then the last half hour of the games are often boring because they're like, yeah, we're already winning. It's okay. We got this. Make subs, yeah. pass it around. It's so weird. Is it style of the La Liga? Is it, you know, it's a bit slower of a league? Is it the fact that they can tiki-taka their way out of the out of the team, out of the league, sorry, and, and they don't get as pushed or as pressed as they do in Europe? Because you, you talk about how Bayern overturned them, how United was able to open them up a bit. Those are very high pressing teams. They don't get yeah. that in, in La Liga. It's is that the kryptonite to this Barcelona team? Is it the high tempo, high pressing, um, all energy system? Like how would they face against how would they fare against uh, you know, 2019 Liverpool team? It's interesting because I don't remember if it was earlier this year or if it was last season, just because Sometimes you watch as many games as I do, they start to just blur together after a while. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I remember them playing it, it must have been last year. There's no way it was this season, I think it would have been last season where when they were playing teams towards the bottom of, of the table in La Liga, those games would often be more competitive than when Barca were playing better teams because the better teams knew better than to sit back. The low quality ones, no offense to them, had very little to lose when they played in these games. Right? When they played in these fixtures, like we're not supposed to win against Barca. So let's just go out and try to see what we can do. And I thought that those games were a lot more competitive than they probably ought to be given the opposition. The thing is, when we talk about the, you know, the high pressing styles and, and the tempo of the game, I can name you some of the most press resistant midfielders in the world. Pedri, Gabi, Gabi. De Jong, 
they're unbelievable. They you can press them all you want. They make no mistakes, no matter the speed at which you're coming to them. The only mistakes that they make, I mean, Gavi can get spun a little bit because he's still very, very young. And if you play somebody who's, you know, really good and composed and physically can dominate him, that's one thing. But Pedri doesn't get spun. Yeah, Pedri's so press resistant. Frankie de Jong doesn't get spun. He's about as press resistant as they come to. Like the little shifty turns that he can mm-hmm. do when receiving the ball with his back to with his like looking at goal. And then all of a sudden he's running into spaces. He does that about as good as anybody else alive. And it, it just confuses me when we talk about this, because you're right. Even we can't put our finger on it. Why do Barca lack conviction in Europe? Do you think Xavi maybe is is trying to wrap up La Liga and doesn't really care that much about Europe right now. And he's like, we're going to be in the Champions League next year. Let's try to solidify La Liga and go again next year. Like, they I could not don't. care less about Europa League. I, I just don't think that they can. I feel like the it's a lose-lose with Barcelona in the Europa League, isn't it? Because it's like, you better win this. But also, yeah. it's not important enough for them to care what, what I would imagine the narrative be. However, I think that the mentality of Barcelona and the mentality of Xavi in particular, a serial winner, is if we're in a competition, we have to win it. Okay, not just contest, even no matter what the competition is. Okay, the Copa del Rey is not the most prestigious award in world football either. Barca are, gun- are going to play for it, right? They're Aren't they in the semifinals? They play Real Madrid, I think, yeah, I think uh, so. in the semis. I think Barcelona need to develop that conviction. I think that starts with taking no games off. And honestly, I don't think they're trying harder in the league than they were against United. I just think they didn't play well against United. So that might be a built-in excuse for them, right? If they get knocked out, they go, ah, it's just Europa League. But at the same time, I think that if they had the option, they would prefer to win that game too and win all of their games. Because to be honest, this lead is pretty substantial. I don't I don't think that Real Madrid will catch them. They could, but I don't think so. I think that Barcelona domestically have shown enough that I'm prepared to say that they will win this league, even, mm-hmm. even at the point of the campaign where we're at right now. Something would have to go disastrously wrong for them, for them to fumble this, because this is an eight-point lead, but it doesn't look like it's getting... It's not like they're in a bad spell of form and Real Madrid are chomping it down. It's like Barca will keep on winning and it doesn't matter what Real Madrid can do. Yeah, I, it's this lead has been 12 points in the past, has been 11 points in the past, and, and now it's back up to eight. I think genuinely it's it's not an insurmountable lead. It's been done before, but it, I just don't mm-hmm. see Barcelona slipping up in La Liga. It, it, you're right. I think Ter Stegen getting injured might shift it or something like that and maybe they keep right. those clean sheets. But I just don't think... That's gonna. Ha- I don't think you know that the Barca are gonna be struggling that much to pick up more points as the season goes on for them. I think Araujo is a massive one too. He's he really might, huge. Yeah, he has a shout for being the defender of the year this year. Like, and he's he's been injured too. It's yeah. not like he's playing every single minute of every single game, right? He missed the World Cup through injury. Even now, he didn't play on the weekend. I think that his ability and the the confidence that he adds to the team is second to none for the Barcelona side. And, and maybe if he's out for an extended period and somebody like Ter Stegen and somebody else, like it would have to take a lot to knock Barca off. And you know what? Part of this is also fueled by the fact that Real Madrid have been very lackluster. Real Madrid, if this there's was the same Real Madrid on. that we saw, there's a lot going on with them. If this was the same exact side that we saw before the World Cup, right? With Valverde scoring every single game, Vinicius on fire, the whole team's fit. I might be having a different conversation right now. I might be like, hold on, bro. If there's one thing, if there's one team you don't want breathing down your neck, it's this Real Madrid side because they have the pedigree to shift into a Champions League mode where then they just like every game's a knockout game. We have to win it. And then they do. Right. 
right? Like they won the double last year, the Champions League and La Liga. I don't think they're prepared to reside that they're just going to go trophyless this season. I think that they still want to compete with this. I just don't think they've demonstrated recently enough that they can turn their form around to supersede Barcelona's current excellent form domestically. Yeah, and, and when you're hunting down a lead, you kind of want the team ahead of you to slip up a bit, and I just don't see right. Barcelona doing that. No, me neither. How many goals do you think Barcelona concede by the, by the end of the campaign? 22 games played right now. They have seven goals conceded. You don't have to give me an exact number, but is it under 15? I'm going to say under 20? No, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's 14 goals. Wow. That's it? Yeah. I'm going to say that's it. That I, doesn't I don't leave think much it goes above 15. You don't think you're overdue for a blowout loss? Maybe one against Real Madrid, but are they going to beat them 6-0? I mean, what about three? I don't, I don't, I just, if they concede, if they concede three in one game, just in one game, then for the next it, basically it what's it, 16 reach, games, they can't concede more than four times. It doesn't Dude. reach 18. That's what I'm saying. So I'm going to say it's 14. All right. Goals. All right. All right. I like that. The over under we will set it at that mark. Yeah. I would take the under for that as well. I don't think they'll concede more than that as well. Yeah. All right, bro. Moving up the list. And to be honest, you might say that that title race is more competitive than this one. I've put this one at number three because say why? Why it's must you, see the biggest this is gap. Why. This is why I can't put the Syria in last place because it's the biggest lead. Because I would argue that the Syria and what Napoli are doing is more must see than the other two, even if those leagues are mm-hmm. slightly more competitive. Right? The Syria right now is not competitive with Napoli anyway. Positions two through like eight are remarkably close, right? Inter right now have 47 points. Roma have 44. Milan have 44. What a freaking fall off they've had, by the way. Lazio have 42. Atalanta have 41, which means separating two from what's that sixth is pretty close. Also Juve in seventh with 32 points. I would love to discuss a scenario where in Juve, can they overcome a 15 point deficit to to close the top four? Their 15 point gap? They're at 32 points because of the 15 point deduction, Mm. which means... It, they would be much higher, obviously, if they had those 15 yeah, points I mean, back, right? They would still be place. right, they would still be right, right in this conversation. I think it's a separate discussion to have whether or not that's Juve crazy. Still make they would have been four. second place. Think of how bad Imagine. we think Juve's season is, but they would have been second if they, they were frauds. Literally, that's crazy. So, okay, let's start with that before we go Napoli because Napoli is a big picture anyway. Do can Juve still make top four? Here? Dude, they're right now nine points. What's that? Nine points, nine points off sixth. So they're nine points off a European spot. No, and they had Juve, 15 Juve don't make top four. I'm sorry. Juve don't make top four. I'm not even sorry. This is nice. Good to see. Juve don't, don't make top four. Make top and then and then they, you know, if they can get relegated as well, that would be great. <laughs> I have nothing against Juve. It's just fun to see. It would be fun. To see. Well, you just love it because you did Vlahovic for pennies. Oh, everybody. You know, Vlahovic and Kaysa, wrap them up for 12 pounds. 12 pounds. Oh, come <laughs> on, bro. Honestly, hey, that's more than they make for TV revenue, dude. <laughs> this is, I mean, that's a massive deduction for Juve, in fairness to them. I, the fact that they're nine points off of a, of a European spot, basically, is astonishing considering they had 15 points removed. But honestly, they're not in the title picture right now, right? No. To be honest, the second place team isn't in the title picture right now. They're not, not in the Europa, Europa places right now. Like, they, I don't think they even get Europa. I don't think so either. Maybe conference. Do Juve want to play in the conference league? I don't think that's they're nine points away from conference. I I say just keep it as is. 
Just go for a rebuild, bro. Just keep Forget it as conference league. Because Bologna is is right on their heels with 32 <laughs> points as well. So you've got to be looking respect, over your bro. shoulder, you boy. Come yeah, on. You gotta have Bologna on your shoulder, bro. <laughs> that was Bologna. Anyway, let's talk about Napoli, dude. Napoli's must see TV. And this yeah. is why I put I put Napoli at number Napoli uh, again representing the whole league. I put the Serie A in third of the of Europe's top five title races because of what Napoli are doing. I think if it was almost any other team in, within the league, we wouldn't care that much. If if Inter were running away with it, we wouldn't care. If AC Milan were, we'd be like, "That's great, good for you guys. You're going to go back to back." Awesome. Only Roma if, were doing this. If Roma were, we might be interested because if of Roma were, we would have been doing it. If if Lazio were, we'd be like, okay, like I guess that's fine. But I mean, the way in which Napoli are doing this, where they're breeding stars here, where Kvaradana and Osimhen, I said off the top, you and me are the most are the best duo in world football. To be fair, we haven't done what these they have. They don't have the pedigree that we do to create content to do to create this kind of magic. <laughs> they're working hard, man, because okay, Osimhen's just been a monster, different class, right? Go, a goal a goal per game Insane. is his average. He's been involved in like twenty one goals, which is just preposterous and then his strike partner Kvaradana in his first season in Europe's top five leagues but he's got like 19 goal involvements can I yeah that's that's actually insane 19 I think the, they both combined for more than 40 goal uh involvements oh, I think so. in the season yeah. right like if we're talking all comps like they're already there which there. is everything that you need how many goals have they scored in in uh, they've been in the involved league? in 40 of 56 goals bro <laughs> That's crazy, man. Oh my god. Remember bro, when Kane ridiculous. and Son were just doing the madness for yeah. for Spurs and it was basically that 90% of their goals were from those two. This yeah. is what these guys are doing and it's it's so infectious because no one hates Napoli. No one hates no. seeing Faradona and and Osimhen just bossing it just both in Europe and in in Italy. We're absolutely loving it. I hope it lasts long. I don't think it's going to last that, that long because I think Osimhen is going to pick up, going to get picked up in the summer. No, nah, bro. But you for as long as it lasts, I'm loving it. What? I, Napoli sporting director. It's interesting. If we're going to take the quotes of the sporting director, sir, by the way, Osimhen, nine, uh, 18 goals and three assists in 19 Serie A matches, and Faradana, 10 goals and nine assists in 19 Serie A matches. So they're each averaging a goal involvement or more per game. Per game. Ridiculous for the midway point of the season. Okay. Napoli sporting director, I think it's De Laurentiis, if I'm not mistaken. He said, we don't have any debts, so we don't have to sell mm -hmm. anybody. And that's interesting because that is very rarely is that the case when teams come knocking on your door, offering you nine figures, you can't really turn it down. But if right. he's like, nah, be like, I want to cook. I want to win this league a couple of years in a row here. If the players are happy, unless Osimhen and Kvaradana decide to push for moves, I don't think that they're going to go anywhere because to be honest, life's good right now. Isn't Napoli this... are the best side in Europe, right? They're making money. I mean, there's no real reason for Napoli to reinvest in the project to try to emulate this because to be honest, Napoli, no, if they let go of one of these guys, let alone both, they're going to have a, you know, they're back to being in the competitive mix here. And I don't know if they want that just yet. Isn't this the same sporting director that said he doesn't want African players because they <laughs> disappear in the winter? Can you I just believe please that remind me where one. Victor Osimhen is from? He's from the place of the Eagles themselves, the jersey yeah. on this very wall. Nigeria, stand up. Yeah. Nigeria, bro. So I, I, I don't awesome. know how long that's going to last. I wonder if what if the some move, resentment over that. What if the move is for Osimhen to leave and Napoli just pick up Vlaovic and just 
pick up where they left off. Oh, what if oh, that's bro. the move? Just pit, sell Osimian for 90 million euros, 100 million euros, 120 even. Yeah, and then just more. pick up Vlaovic for like 12 million euros. If you, I mean, euros. listen, no, he'll go for way more than that. That's all that you've if you even, even get relegated, if they get, fine. even if they sell him for 60, right? That's half of what they're yeah. gonna get for Austin. It's true, that'd be really good business. That would be a, a perfect model for them. And they just and who's not taking exactly Osman right now, bro? Yeah. Who's not taking Osman? Everybody right wants him, he's probably number one striker on the market right now. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that. Uh, what helps his case because no disrespect to Kvaradana, right? Like we all appreciate what he's been doing. It's just, it's his first time playing at this stage and he's, he's yeah. met it with flying colors. Osimian's evolution. We've been able to track a little bit. And I think that adds to his transfer value, right? You might say, okay, well, what about, what do you think the next five years of Kvaradana look like? And that's a different discussion. We can have that conversation. I'm here for it. But for Osimian, I think we can say, look at how much better he's getting every single year. Like there's no reason to, presume that he won't continue at this rate because his style the way that he plays football is something that is a manager's dream it could fit whatever system you need if it's target man That's no problem if it's off the shoulder about. no problem if it's big man no problem dude dude out jumped ronaldo remember that yeah. like impossibly Oops. air cr7 jump he, he beat it by like seven centimeters just eh, it's fine bro he can play pressing if he needs to I don't know if he can play false nine. I think you'd be stupid if you bought him to play a false nine because that's really not what you need him for. But pretty much every other possible way that you'd need him, he can deliver. And Kavada Dan as a strike partner is just absolutely perfect. Yeah. I, and plus, we've seen the blueprint of how to get the best out of Ossiman, right? And it's mm. much easier when you have the blueprint to get the best out of a striker. Is You know how to replicate that. It's so much more difficult to accommodate a creative winger into a system that you right. haven't seen with any other style of play. So if if Osimhen was taken out of this team and they put a different type of striker in there and and guess what? Paradona keeps doing the same thing. Boom, you got it. It's not That's it's not game. the partnership, it's actually him and you can take him, put him somewhere else and adapt him to the style that you want to play. But with Osimhen, like you said, we've seen the progression and we've seen how to get the best out of him. I think managers would just love that way more and plus a good striker that can get you 20 plus goals a season is a rare commodity. Yeah. A creative player that can create 15 to 20 goals per season. It's, it's very difficult, but it can, but it's doable. It's like gold it's versus common. diamond. Yeah. It's more common. It's true, bro. I think, and I don't think anybody can afford to get the two, right? Like Napoli no. are in too good of a position to go get the duo. I don't think anybody's doing that, but I think if one of them leaves, I think Osimhen is probably the hotter commodity. I just don't know if Napoli will actually sell them. Because the other thing that another sporting director said was when talking about Kvaradana's appraisal, he said he's worth way more than 100 mil. So you got to think think of where we are in the transfer market now, where 100 mil is now insufficient. But you get what he's saying. He, he basically said, if Lukaku goes for 100 mil, <laughs> and, he's, and this is what he said. This is a direct quote. I read this this morning. I'm paraphrasing a direct quote. Because I don't know word for word if I'm going to get it right. But this is pretty much exactly what he said. I'm not, and he slandered. This is not coming from me, okay? And this quote wasn't from Joe either, just by the way. He didn't say, uh, you know, oh, Lukaku's trash and he costs 100 mil. He's like, <laughs> if, if Lukaku costs 100 mil, and this is a player with very little technical quality and ball control, then a player who has those skills has to be worth far more than 100 million. 
So now you're looking at it going, okay, is this just going to go on forever? Like, what could possibly the bubble be has to crash way more? Point. Yeah, like what could possibly what 150? Is that the new benchmark? And now you need 150 mil to go out to go and get guys like that because, dude, I mean, technically he's right. Dude, Mudrick just went for 100 mil. Fanadana has Didn't way Mudrick more go for than 70? No, nah, well, 100 million euros, maybe 70 right. million, you know, pounds. But in terms of euros, like you know, the rest of Europe is talking in euros, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know, especially when you look at Anthony as well, because Anthony went for big money. Yeah. And he's not doing not even half of what what Corradon is doing, right? No. Like that would have been. Bro, Central went for a ton of money too. He did. He wasn't. He went for seventy. I mean, he was awesome. No, he had, yeah, he, he had was, the he was tearing it up in the Bundesliga. To be honest. And yeah. that was three years in a row of Bundesliga. So I, I get that. Right. But especially but when you he consider came and that his bio clause was one fifty, right? So right. Yeah, I just I I don't know if I can judge Sancho based on last season. Now he's doing well since he's come back. Right now, after he comes like two games ago, no, no I'm not even off. trying to slander. I'm not um, trying to personal slander. Reasons. Like he's doing well, but Quaradona, like you're right. I think does okay. Here's a question. I think for for Quaradona, if we can bring him bring it back to him, does him being Georgian affect the price tag in a negative way? Because you look at you look at Lukaku with Belgium, Sancho with England. You know, obviously, if you have a, a tricky winger from Brazil, it's it's going to bring up the price. But does the fact that he's from Georgia affect that? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just there's less to judge him on in international tournaments. So yeah. clubs change their aspects on that for some reason. I actually think, I think yes. And I think that's crazy to think about that when you also consider how much he's valued at. Like he's yeah. valued at 100 mil at least, and he's from Georgia. I would go so far as to say, though, if he was Brazilian or French or Spanish, this guy he, was, yeah. he already wouldn't be there. Like in January, it would have been an Enzo Fernandez thing. Mm. They would have gone in January and said, name it. I don't care. We're going to get him. And I think that the fact that the flag has some kind of pedigree is not ideal, to be dumb. honest. Because you know what, bro? Here's the other thing. What if he was Nigerian? Yeah. I don't know if he would be worth 100 mil. In terms of skill set, he's fantastic. But I think, like, you look at Mohamed Kudus, right? I've spoken openly about Mohamed Kudus. I think he's just as good as Joao Felix. I do. I think he's that damn good. And I don't think he's looked at in the same in the same style at all. And I think if he was Portuguese, people would be like, oh, my God, you seeing this guy? So I feel like... We talked about, like, Rafael. Be so good. About. Right. I feel like you can have so much promise and so much, like, talent. And the flag, you're absolutely right to raise that question, does add the value. The thing is with Kvaradana, I think, dude... If a Georgian starts costing 100 mil, what are we going to talk about if this dude's <laughs> flag was, was French or Brazilian? Because, dude, that would be absurd. I'm telling you, if this guy cost. was Spanish, Barcelona or Real Madrid would pick him up and put a billion and a half price tag on him and just be like, fuck oh, yeah. you, you're not getting him for the next 25 years. Yeah, you're they'd getting sign him up on a 25 year contract. Yeah. yeah, they would put, like, they would just sign him to 2040, just lifetime contract, never open. Anyway, there's still two title races that we have to talk about. How do you think? How do you, how have you gone with my list so far? I like it. I like that you put Napoli and Serie A in third, despite it being the biggest gap, just because uh, how novel it is. Like the novelty of it is what puts it yeah. up there, rather than it technically the gap. Yeah, it technically goes against my statement, which is ranking the title races because it's not really a race. I just think that it's it's must see TV, and if you're looking for what like the, how much influence does that have over a title race 
I think the fact that the Serie A has a yeah. giant and probably the best team in your in Europe right now is in the Serie A. I think adds a little bit more oomph to edge them ahead of, of the other two leagues. Anyway, these next two, I'm excited to hear because once you know one, you'll know where the other one lies. And I kind of want to hear how you have what you think of where I've placed these respective uh, ones. I know exactly two, what you're going to do. And I think I agree. All right, good. Let's do it. At number two, I have the Premier League. Yeah, I knew it. I actually agree on this one, to be honest. Good. I'm glad. Premier League title race ain't better than the Bundesliga title race. And we'll talk about the Bundesliga title race in a second. We'll get there. But the Premier League teams, I guess first and foremost, we should address this. Is United in the title race here? I don't think we're in the title race in the sense that we should be expected to win the Premier League. But Mm -hmm. I think we're in there on points difference in the sense that if these two teams keep slipping up, we have to be around there just to just to be able to take that opportunity. And I don't disagree with the fact that people are saying that. I just think that we're way ahead of sorry, I think that opinion is way ahead of where this team actually is because we're only seven yeah. months into the rebuild. Ten Hog, like the fact that we're speaking about this seven months into Ten Hog's um time at United is amazing. But and I and I don't think that we should be demanding title races at the moment. But I think if Arsenal and City slip up and they still have to play each other another time and we're not in there, we're going to be disappointed because that's an opportunity that may not come again in, in years' time. So I just think just stay around the periphery, just keep doing it day, game by game. And, and I think that the players are doing that and the manager's doing that. And I think of us, the fans, it's nice to get giddy because we haven't been here for a while, but just take it game by game and then look up, let's say, in April. If we're still within four yeah. points there, then yeah, let's let's talk about how we can actually, you know, what the scenarios could be for us to actually win the title. But for now, let's just take it game by game. We're the only team in Europe that's in four competitions. That's a lot of games. And we're not the most, you know, in-depth built side in Europe. So we're not the, the team that's most capable of handling, handling you know, a, a 60 or 70 game season. But that's the matter of fact that we're in. And by next week, that could either be really good or really bad because there is a scenario in which we lose to Barcelona and lose the Carabao Cup final, or we can win against Barcelona, stay in the Europa League, which is even more games, and win the Carabao Cup. And that, and all of a sudden we have silverware and that's already one competition out of the way. So yeah. I think this this week is a really big week for United. So let's not put a lot of pressure on them right now to be in a title race, but Let's just take game by game. If we're in there by April, let's try to look up and see what the scenarios are. And just keep doing what you're doing. They're doing well. So there's no need to yeah. put added pressure on them. I agree wholeheartedly with the statement. I don't think that they should be placed in the conversation of a title race, but I bet you City and, and, and Arsenal both think that they're part of it because they're three points behind City. Yeah. So you have to figure City and City have been lackluster, bro. You tell City lose one game and United win, and all of a sudden, United are in second, which means that this two-horse race now becomes really a three-horse race. And to be honest, like you wouldn't expect – I think that largely people would expect City to be closer to winning the league than being third. But it, because technically they're two points behind Arsenal and they're three points ahead of United. But the way that I'm seeing City play week in, week out, I'm more nervous for slipping to third than I am for winning the league. Wow, actually. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, I actually imagine? don't think you're you're technically not even yes 
on paper you're three points ahead but we're not going to make the goal difference up so you have that little bit of a cushion so we're technically Bro, four points what? behind right so it's yeah I, if, I, I, if we're yeah, looking at the gap being five points to arsenal or three points to see i think you have to add a point to the gap that united have to take okay. up in order to be in that position because if let's say you lose and we win in the next game at the end of the season you're still second because the thing is that the goal arsenal have tips you arsenal have a goal a game in hand too right so arsenal could if they win that game be what's that five points ahead of us which would yeah. mean that that's an even bigger gap and then at that point it's closer for you guys to overtake us and to be honest man if city were in good form i wouldn't be saying this right mm -hmm. i'd be saying i'm expecting city and to be honest i've spoken about this the pedigree is so important and i don't think that arsenal have that pedigree but if city keeps slipping up it doesn't matter arsenal won't need that pedigree the pedigree is supposed to kick in now for city Arsenal are in uncharted territories here. All they have to do is look straight ahead and keep going. Run, yeah. run, 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 run. City have to get their shit together largely. And I think that that's been a massive problem for City this season. And, you know, part of it is Holland and people are going to blame Holland for it. Holland has 30 goal involvements in freaking 20 Premier League games. Like, it's just ridiculous his output. And people were saying this at one point about Harry Kane at Spurs. They're like, nah, they can't right. play with them. It's just every everybody needs time to settle in. The fact is, Holland's settling in period has contributed to more goals than everybody else in the league. Almost combined. Okay? Mm -hmm. This dude's in a league of his own in terms of output. So we've been lucky in that sense, right? It's not seamless right now. It's not perfect right now. But it will get better over time. And the fact is, if when it doesn't look great, it's resulting in Holland getting the amount of goals and the amount of even assists. Bro, he's got four assists. That's pretty decent for him. Yeah, the amount of goal contributions that he's had this season we can't really be angry with that. I think it's it's the rest of the team that has to figure things out. Because to be honest, when we played Arsenal, we beat them. We beat them without having possession. That's like the third time that Man City have played a game wherein they haven't had possession or, or the majority of the ball. And I think that's important because that's telling the other teams, hey, we have other ways to win. And I've been clamoring for that for a long time. That City needed to win ugly sometimes. They needed to win not playing the most you know, seducive, sexy type of football, but just playing gritty performances and making sure that they can go ahead. The thing is, then you play the game against Nottingham Forest like we did, where City looked very good right. and they didn't finish. City looked great. I would have thought City would have won that game 4-0 and they didn't. They conceded. And then That's it's 1-1 the and then we couldn't come back. It is the beauty of the Premier. You're absolutely right. I'm not, this isn't Premier League slander. It, it is the beauty of the Premier. It's the fact that Arsenal could do the same thing in their, in their game in hand and all of a sudden, bro, everybody's level on games and now we have a freaking title race. Right, because right now we're, yeah. we're playing catch up because Arsenal still, even when we feel like we went top of the table last week, Arsenal still have to play their games uh, to be all level, and then then it's really competitive. So, I think this this campaign has been a lot more interesting than I don't want to say in years past because when City and Liverpool were dogging it, they were twenty points ahead of everybody, right? So they were just kicking so much ass, and those were really competitive because it came down to the last day of the season last year. It just feels like right now there's an additional narrative of the best team in the league not fulfilling their potential. So are City going to go for a three-peat here or are Arsenal going to win the league for the first time in 20 freaking years? That's a massive deal in terms of narratives, bro. It's huge. And it's also the later game in hand keeps going, the more nervous I as the team with the game in hand would be. Right? right, I don't think that Arsenal can keep saying, "Oh, we have a game in hand." Yeah, but we have a game in hand. Expecting to win that game in hand. The fact is, you still have to play that game and win that game in hand. 
So yep. it's so stressful because they've been watching that points gap get smaller and smaller and smaller. And all they've been able to say is we've, we still have a game in hand. We still have a game in hand. <laughs> so I don't, and, and this is not to criticize Arsenal. I'm just, and I, and I think that if they play their game in hand, they're more likely to win because they've, they've shown that throughout the entire season that most games mm-hmm. Arsenal will win. But it's just, it keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. You have to keep the your foot on the gas. Don't look back. Keep keep looking forward. And they've been rocked the last week. Let's see if, if they will pick back up and it will just be, you know, a dip on the road to success or the cracks are becoming, are, are starting to show. Yeah. So much can happen over the next 15 match weeks, right? Like there's that many games left there's to play. There's so many right games for them. to play. There's so many things that can happen. And you have one bad week where you're playing three times a week. That's nine points. Now your gap. Now, bro, the, everything changes, right? Yeah. I think Arsenal feel that pressure. But I think what bodes really well for Arsenal is where they lack pedigree. You look at the game at the weekend against Villa. How does it end? It come, ends with a comeback where Zinchenko scores his first Premier League goal. Then Jorginho hits a freaking 93rd minute bar down banger from the top of the box, a la Thomas Partey, I might add. And then they go on the counter in the very, very last second where Emmy Martinez is trying to score off the corner. And then they put it up and, it's, and, it, and it ends 4-2 Arsenal. Like, bro, Premier League games, are, there's nothing quite like the Premier League. And I've, I've been it's an advocate so for every other league. They but we know to come up. They have Leicester on the weekend. And then they have, I think, um, Everton is their makeup fixture because that's midweek oh, next week. Oh, proper Sean Dyche, full, full Brexit. Full, so full two Brexit that's focus. a hard game too, bro. You know, Sean Dyche is not going to make that easy for him. So even if they get a draw somewhere in here, let's say their game in hand is a draw. Now it's a three-point lead and City just needs to win one and then they have to flop it. It's still in Arsenal's hands, but I wouldn't want City breathing down my neck any more than as a City fan. I want United, who have won more games than anybody in Europe this season, by the way, in terms of like points collected. I think they've had, they've had 27 wins or something like that. I think since the World Cup. Since the World Cup, they've had more wins than anybody. But even in all comps, yeah. I feel like... What's this? I don't know. There's a stat I read on Twitter. It was a squawking stat, so I know it was true. It was something about they had more wins. I can't remember what it was, but they have a lot. The point is they're, they're, they're in great form. They're winning all the time, even with something of a lackluster squad at times. Wherein Luke Shaw is playing center back, right? Yeah. The fact that, and we can talk about the expectations for the United project and what comes with that, because to be honest, sometimes that first season blitz is great, and then everybody mm-hmm. gets used to it, and then complacency sets in. So it might be closer to, it might be more competitive for United now than it will be next season, even if they have better players in next season, because they'll have to adapt and then, you know, things will have to to go their way. This is a second place where I've put it in terms of the midway point of the season. But in terms of narrative, I think that this is the most captivating narrative in world football. Are I think Arsenal it, it going just, to dethrone it's the Manson? most that's on the line, you know? Yeah, the stakes have never been higher. Yeah. The stakes have never been higher, bro. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> but hey, is it? Are they bigger stakes than? And, and I don't. I don't know if you mind me moving on here, but are is, are the stakes bigger than Bayern Munich being overthrown in the Bundesliga? Ah, uh, I love it, dude. Uh, in theory, okay. So yes, this is number one, and I love the segue. Thank you, my segue king and wonderful co-host. You know? <laughs> Dude, the Bundesliga is the most competitive title race in Europe this season. All right? The, t- the first place team only has 43 points. So it's the most competitive, but it's because the best team that's supposed to be there is slumming it with the rest of them, bro. You look around the rest of the team, and to be fair, to the Bundesliga, they have less games, and they have the winter break. So like, right. 
it, for them, they, they only have, they have 43 points, but how many games have they played I think they, they played, played three so less games than any other league. Okay, so they're still very, very much like in the infantile they're stages. 20, they're they they're on be. 21 games. They're on 21 games. They have 43 points. Dude, Bayern have 43 points. Dortmund have 43 points. Union Berlin have 43 points. Who does Bayern have next to play? Oh, don't tell me. Union Berlin. You me <laughs> oh, my God, bro. The, that's a that's a competitive battle, man. I'm going to be watching that one. Hopefully, Sportsnet doesn't put on Sportsnet World because then no one will be able to watch it. Like, bro, it's the best freaking, it's the greatest story in terms of on the pitch what's happening in Europe. And we won't even Bayern could be third by the end of next week. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I mean, did you think <laughs> in September when Bayern were a little lackluster and they were, did you think we'd be here come February? No, I didn't. I, th- I thought this would be right around the time that, you know, Bayern was starting to wrap up the league. I thought this mm-hmm. would be five to six point gap, much like, you know, um, what was it PSG in in league uh where they started a little bit rocky it hasn't been the perfect season for them but now they've started to pick up points and Bayern is now Bayern it's inevitable this is the stage at which I thought inevitability would have succeeded or would right. have shown itself um but it's not happening and like you said I cut you off there but Freiburg are on 40 points they're only three points behind Bayern dude and then Leipzig are on 39 and Frankfurt are on 38 which means two games. It takes two games, and these anybody here could be top of the table. Oh, my because God. Leipzig have to play Frankfurt next. Oh, my God, bro. Like, how competitive, how crazy entertaining Huge. is this damn league? And, yo, how, I mean, how long? Tell the people. How long have I been a Bundesliga advocate on this, on this show? Since the show's inception. Since the show's inception. My Bundesliga fandom almost predates the Jersey Wall's existence. Think about that for a second. All right. And for years, for years, the people have told me, no, Nathan, it's not interesting because at the end of the day, Bayern Munich just keep on winning. And for the first time in what feels like a decade, literally, that cannot be pointed to anymore. No one can say I'm not watching the Bundesliga because it's a foregone conclusion that Bayern Munich are going to win. Because you know what, bro? They might not. For the first time, Dortmund and I say first time, but I mean like in, in recent history, basically over the last 10 years, Bayern Munich always find a way to get it done. Bayern Munich will go up, sweep up the best players from opposing teams. They did that to things goalie this weekend who they played. They played much in Gladbach this weekend. They took Yad Summer. Guess what? They got a red card in the first 10 minutes. Upamakano sent off. Bayern <laughs> lost 3-2. That's the vengeance story if you're much in Gladbach, bro. So Bayern, for all their antics and for being the t- the wonderful team that they are and the inevitable machine, have had injuries to cope with, have had things not going their way on the pitch, and now they're in a title race. And you know what, dude? I don't know if they're going to come out of it because you're right. Right now, they are still leading the table. They are still in first place. But if I'm a lackluster Bayern Munich squad who is not kicking in, I don't know if I have the mentality to push ahead. And if I'm every other team and I smell blood, I smell blood in the water for the first time, I'm giving everything to this because this is, it's almost a win. If you could just finish above Bayern, you're going to win the league because there's no yeah, way that anybody can above Bayern. But if somebody, if Bayern, what if Bayern end up finishing third? They very much could be there next week. Like by they the could, time right? the next episode happens, they very much could be there. It's just everybody else has to pick up the goal difference because no one is going to pick up the, this much no, goal no, difference no. against Bayern. Yeah. Bayern have a plus 40 goal difference. Ridiculous. If, if Next it comes down 17. to it where someone ties the league, Bayern is winning it if, if they're there. Yeah. 
Um, that's just the, it. the thing is, this is new territory for Bayern, and that's really weird Absolutely to say while they sit first. And if this is Bundesliga every year, I'm no longer calling it a pharmacy. But Thank you. Fact, no, listen, you. this is just proving me and Joe right. Is that no, no, fact, no, as soon as it becomes competitive, it's not a pharmacy, whereas they've always accepted non competition. But anyway, that's another conversation for another time. No, bro. I think this has been years in the making. I think this has been Emmy award winning television. I think this is the best narrative you could ever <laughs> have where they forged this over it's years. It's a script, bro. They were, they wrote this out. They were like, yo, we're going to make this. We're going to make everybody think that this Bayern's is how we're going to make Bayern. Yeah. This is how we're going to make Bayern think that they can do whatever they want with this league. Exactly, bro. So that when the time comes, bro, the Project first Farmers possible league. opportunity, Project Farmers League, we are going to <laughs> kick their as bro and i i'm here for it to be honest i, I don't hate Bayern munich i quite like them i, to be honest. I want to see i want to see my boy alfonso davies tearing it up you don't think i want to see that but you know what i'd like to see more any other team in the bundesliga win this damn league bro Dortmund win it come on if union berlin win it mina could you imagine like freiburg leipzig that frankfurt all these other teams bro imagine being it's Dortmund a race. the first time in years Bayern munich are sm- you're smelling blood? They're they're losing. Lewandowski's not there. Your boy that went and changed sides, he's not there. And you still don't win the league because Union Berlin <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> managed to be on this high in the precipice of their history. And Dortmund, after everything they've done, after all the talent that they've recycled, all the money that they've brought in, all the players that they've seen go to Bayern, some of them come back, and you still don't win the league. That's, Bro, that's in Marco Royce's last year, too. It's his final send-off. He finally gets it done and wins the league at Union Berlin. Union Berlin the sweep up. That's so funny. Evil move oh, from Union Berlin. This... <laughs> Bro, this sport is cruel sometimes. It's crazy, man. Bayern just haven't won as much as they're supposed to. They haven't lost. Bayern Munich have the fewest losses in the league. They just have drawn a lot of games. They've lacked that conviction that Big they normally girl. have. Right, so and to be honest, bro, now Upamecano is going to miss the next few games. That's a huge loss because he's by far and away this season has been their best defender. Like the composure and the solidity he has to the team is second to none. So now, bro, even your boy Delict hasn't been wonderful. To be completely yeah, honest, no, so it's, it's not worked out for him right now. What's Bayern's next couple of games, bro? Union Berlin and then after, bro, they still have the Champions League game too against PSG. Ah. Dude, they're going to prioritize that. You can't tell me they're not. And then they have Leverkusen to follow. They have Dortmund to play in April. Dude, I don't it think doesn't get any it. easier. I think, I think they just go 100% for, for all games. They have to, but they don't have the depth for it right now, bro. Chupa yeah. Moteng has grown too confident in me. Now, I'm going to tell you completely honestly. Chupa Moteng, like I've said this almost every single week when we talk he's about He's a menace like, right now. If you're... He, He's grown too confident because now he's he's not doing what they need him to. Now he's like, oh, you know what, bro? I'm Thomas Muller. You know what, bro? I'm I'm Jamal <laughs> I'm gonna drop in, bro. I'm gonna start carrying. I'm gonna do this. And then when, no, when stay Sane up. or Musiala play things directly across in the box, you know who's not there? Chuba Moteng. Why? Because he's deep on the pitch. He's trying to influence play. Like, yo, Chuba Moteng, listen, bro. You have the greatest agent of all time. Your career, literally second to none. It's been the most unique career. I don't the think the arc is crazy. Career. Just ridiculous, bro. From Stoke to PSG to Bayern Munich, dude's been absolutely everywhere. You got to be where they need you to be. Like, don't grow too confident here now because you're starting for Bayern every week because you're doing that because of necessity. Man, Bayern Munich did smart business in the January transfer window too. I don't know how much Pedro Cancelo is going to add to this team. I would imagine a lot, to be completely honest with you. 
But I think the belief and the love and the admiration that everybody else is having for literally any other team in the Bundesliga to dethrone Bayern, this is what you want if you're Bayern. You're the heels, right? This is what you want to do. Like you're it's the exciting. inevitable monster. This is every it's time. Exciting. It, this is every time Floyd Floyd Mayweather had a fight after he was mm-hmm. thirty and zero, and he just kept it going for twenty yeah. for twenty more fights. This is every fights. fight that Khabib had, you know, before he retired. Yeah. Everybody just wants to see the unbeatable machine lose. Yep, it's true. We're all here for it. We're all advocating against it. And bro, I think that's why it has to be number one. Because even if, like, let's be real, the idea of Man City three pitting the Prem with Erling Haaland at the helm is probably the biggest footballing narrative in the world. But the best, the best mid-season title race, like where we're at so far, if we're assessing them at halfway, I think the Bundesliga is crazy right now. The fact that three teams are tied for first right now on points and the fact that the subsequent three teams are basically within no less than a five-point gap. Dude, it could happen for absolutely anybody. Yep. And the fact that it's in the Bundesliga and the fact that it's overcoming the Farmers League narrative, I'm here for it. I'm I'm definitely here for it. I'm still not going to watch because I don't have the time for it. <laughs> Genuinely, I, don't, I just don't have the, the time for it. Yeah, yeah paint the house, dude, just go to work, everything. There's too That's much football to be watched, but... It's, it's you know where you can enjoyable. keep up to date with all that, Mina? Right here on the Jersey World Podcast, baby. Right here on the Jersey World Podcast. And even more specifically, bro, if you want day-to-day coverage, go follow the Jersey Wall, like on TikTok, at the Jersey Wall. Actually, any of the socials. Genuinely, I'm not, right even, I'm not even like plugging this or anything, plugging it on our own <laughs> platform. Yeah. No, genuinely, that is where I get my football news. All the reels, all the TikToks, that's where I'm getting like my updates weekly on the games that are happening. The ones that are happening. Yeah. Dude, Genuine. how many? I'm bike. making so many of them, dude. Like, it's, yeah. I don't think there's anybody doing what I'm doing because I'm looking at it every weekend and I'm watching games. If I take you through the weekend, I think I watched 12 games this weekend. Like, think about that. And MLS That's isn't even back weekend. yet. And it's every weekend, bro. I'm starting yeah. the day. I'm starting even, my day. Not even considering the three midweek games that you watch because of the Champions League and Europa. Yep. Minimum. Minimal. And then I'm doing videos for the other two as well because I got to make sure I got to be familiar with the narrative. And I got to tell the people, bro, you think 80,000 views in one week starting from scratch happens just because? It's like oh, a full time job, just not nine to five. That's just, it's almost like you could say that it's a full time job that's just not nine to five, you know? Very, <laughs> very well said. Dude, I started my weekend 7 30, Arsenal Villa. Then I watched Gladbach Munich at 9 30. And then I watched the City game at 10. And then when that wrapped, I put on the Chelsea game. Then we watched Newcastle-Liverpool at 12.30. And then the Real Madrid game. Then, yesterday, 7 a.m., PSG-Lille. Then the United game. Then went to church. Then watched the second half, to be fair. Had to go to church. Marcus Rashford invented pointing at his own head as well, which is absolutely remarkable. That's the thing, though. Even if they invent it, you know who I'm talking about when I do that. As soon as I do this, everybody knows He made it famous. He made it famous. Then I watched the Spurs-West Ham game. I would have watched the Dortmund game, but I couldn't because it was on Sportsnet World and nobody has that in Canada. Then I watched the Atletico Madrid game and then the Barcelona game. And then I went to go see a movie. And you know what? If TFC was playing, if MLS was back to go full circle here, I would have watched watch that it. too. I would have watched that too. So how many games is that? All of them. And you know how many I made videos for? All of them. All of them. All of them. People yeah, are watching. Why else would you just... If you don't have time to watch it... watch them me, anyway. I do. Well. It's a full-time job. It just doesn't exist between nine to five. Who would have thought? What a concept, Mina. Point to your temple, Marcus Rashford. Doc, Sir Dr. Marcus Sir Rashford, Dr. MBE. Marcus Rashford MBE. To think of the difference between Memphis's celebration and Rashford's celebration 
is a second ear and moving back and down. Yeah, moving back just to your ears. You know what I mean? Rather rather than to your temple. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, bro. Wow. Celebration. Yeah, one of them is just shush the haters. The other one's like, it's all my, it's on the mind. Yeah, I mind. He's like, I have an MBE. I have an MBE. I have an MBE. They gave me an MBE. I'm sick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dude, can you believe I'm wearing a jersey today? I know. It's not on the wall. I'm wearing. It's not on the wall. I think you'd only do that with CPL jerseys, though. And if Real Madrid is playing, slash City is playing the Champions League final, because I've seen those. Yeah, then happen. I'm going to put those on. Well, and Benfica, right? Benfica yeah, Benfica. Well. put that jersey on, right? There's a few, but I don't. I genuinely don't like to. I consider jerseys as art, and you don't wear art. You put art up on the wall, and I maintain that. That's an iconic quote. That's like a top 10 quote for me, like all time. That's very good. <laughs> Actually, you know what I did the other day? If we're just going to wrap, before we wrap, and we'll just do a, like a mini passing bro talk. I was looking for other reels that i did on instagram that i posted of poems and the production value that i've been doing them as of late is just completely different i think if i had been doing production value on those when i did them all of them could have blown up so that's on me i just guys it's a full-time job i said nine to five but i'm busy man i still work you know like i'm a busy dude i listen to those and bro we got to do this episode sooner rather than later right i just want you guys to just go through all the i'll send them to you if you even want to do the research i'll send you every poem i've ever done and the lyric version of them and I just want you guys to be like, all right, coming in at number 10, this bar from this poem. And I want you to present to me a top 10 and I want to react to it because, bro, we have to some of the lines that I've put into these, man, I was thinking about, what was it? It was a Champions League poem where City got knocked out. I think it was, was it last year? Who did City get knocked out to last year? Oh, it was Real Madrid, Chelsea. right? Oh, Real Madrid. And I put in, I put in, bro, I was talking about, no, not Chelsea. That was the final. God, we bro, lost I the sh- final. I, Shut I apologize. Up. Rub that in. I apologize. Fuck it was off, just man. on the top of my mind. I put in, I, what was the context? It was something, something I'm talking about sitting in the Champions League and I said something along the lines of Pep thought we had this, but there are infinite possibilities. It's a multiverse of madness. Ooh. Oh my God. And that was right before like multiverse right, of madness yeah, came right out. Was coming out. Oh we, my wait, God. Are we dude. getting an Ant-Man Quantumania rhyme for, oh. for Ant-Man? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll see if I can maybe. work one in for the, for the next round of the Champions League. Yeah. When I do it. Uh, it'll be something about conquering. I have to find the rhyme, though. Kang, yeah. there's quantum. I still haven't seen the movie, so it's not like I need no spoiler spoilers. warning or anything. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I, all I know is trailers, so uh, that, that's it. Yeah. We'll have to let some people get caught up on that before we think, before they think that we're spoiling the movie, which I definitely won't do. But I suggest going to see it, everybody. Support your local. Go watch your movie theater. All right? Enjoy. Yeah. Anyway. Do it. Any other stuff for Bro Talk before we wrap, bro? Been a pretty None from episode. me, dude. It's a pretty decent episode. I like it. Happy family day. Happy family day, everybody. We hope you, we thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably not family day anymore. So we hope you enjoyed your family <laughs> day. As we record this, it is family day. And I can say that I'm having a wonderful family day. I mean, I hope you're having a wonderful family day as well. It's going well. It's going all right. Pretty remarkable stuff. Don't have to be working today, which is great. Amazing. Who would have thought the four day work week? Such a revolutionary idea that dude. needs to be implemented everywhere. Everywhere, dude. It's second to none. Anybody. We're rambling now, guys. We love you. We thank you so much for tuning in to episode number 182 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. As always, I've been your host, Mr. Nathan Santos, a.k.a. Master Chef Nate. And listen, I found out my socials are all different. All right. And I, I'm trying to make them uniform. I just I can't do it. I, I can't get them. And it <laughs> makes me mad because I have the Jersey Wall trademarked, obviously. And I still don't have the instagram handle or the youtube handle for either of those things i don't want to sue anybody but like someone else has those and it's i don't know why they do i can't even find them they're just like i see that they're taking maybe they block me because they're like no i'm stealing your stuff yeah maybe 
at the Nathan Santos on Instagram, at Master Chef Nay on YouTube and Twitter, and new at the Jersey Wall on TikTok. And I claim that. Oh, and at TJW Podcast on Instagram as well. There's so many handles to remember. So many, I know. So many handles. You know what's wonderful, Mina? Here's the thing. You don't have to remember any of them. You know why? Because they're in our description. The link is in our description. Go right now, and you'll see all of the stuff that we have, bro. We're talking about the sponsor. We're talking about the TikTok, the YouTube, the podcast, on all platforms, everything. That link exists, and where is it? A fingertip away. Go check it out right now. Mina, where can we find more from you? Uniform over here. Oh, no, they're too different. Joe's the only one that actually has a uniform. What a guy. You can find me at Mina.Golly98 on Instagram and at MinaFGolly on Twitter. I don't know if I said that right. I don't know if you did either. I'll try it again. No. <laughs> Before people start no, looking for it. Nobody knows. Eh, that's fine. If you can find it. I might I might bring back the if you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Just look up Mina Golly somewhere. There's plenty of it. It was easier at that point. Egypt Go to my page. I've definitely tagged him and stuff. Egypt is full of <laughs> Anyway, guys, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time right here on the Dress Hall